happy and you know it, say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. The book of Acts, I'm sorry, I, my mind is always on the book of Acts. The book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. I was getting ready to, to take off preaching about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and how they both went down into the water. Amen. And I might preach about it before it's over. The book of Psalms, chapter number 8. My memory is so bad. I have a minister friend that I get together with once or twice a month, and we have coffee, and we go looking at used bookstores trying to, to buy. We like books, but we like them cheap. And, uh, and he told me he likes hanging out with me because he can tell the same jokes and stories every time we get together, and I never remember them from the last time. Book of Psalms, chapter number 8, verses 3 and 4, and then the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 6. Look, if you tell me something and I don't remember it, don't get mad. Don't get a bad spirit and a bad attitude. It's just a bad memory. So just help me. And if you do get mad, I won't remember it anyway. 2 Samuel, chapter number 6, verse 10 and 11 but first of the book of Psalms, chapter number 8, verses 3 and 4. We're going to also be in Psalms 8 tonight. I hope you'll be back tonight. I feel like the Lord's going to speak to us this morning and tonight. Psalms 8 and 3, if you found it, say amen. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him. Second Samuel chapter number six and verse number 10. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside unto the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Everybody say Gittite. To the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now, if you, if, if you can find, if you can go back to Psalms 8. If you can go back to Psalms 8 and look at what is called the superscription. It is the few words before, the few words right before. It'll say, to the chief musician upon Gittith. If you got your Bible, you see that? Upon Gittith, Gittith. Gittith is a variation of the word Gittite. And so that's the thread that binds these two passages together. The ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obedidim, the Gittite, and the Lord blessed Obedidim. I'm going to preach this morning on a message titled, Can You Be Trusted? with the glory can you be trusted look at somebody close to you and ask them say can you be trusted with the glory 
Can you be trusted with the glory? Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to preach. God, I ask you to have your way. Confirm your word with signs following. Accomplish your plan and purpose for this service, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, O God, to move and have your way here, Lord. Anoint ears to hear what the Spirit would say. Accomplish your plan and purpose for this service. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for it. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. The Psalms have, for thousands of years, been the sources of praise and worship. They are the poetic expressions from the heart of ancient worshipers. Psalms 8 was written by King David. The inscription before the psalm, as I mentioned a moment ago, says that it was written upon Gittith. There is an interesting collection of research about this particular word, Gittith, and its meaning and origin. Some say that it is a musical instrument that was developed in Gath, the land of the giants. Goliath, his brothers, the sons of Anak. Ibn Ezra says that this psalm is part of a collection of psalms that David wrote in honor or for a man known as Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom himself is an amazing study in the scripture. Most scholars agree that the name Obed-Edom the Gittite, that in that particular phrase, the word Gittite refers originally to a Philistine. Gittite refers to someone from the land of Gath or the land where Goliath and his brothers came from, the Philistine region known as Gath. And that Obed-Edom, the Gittite, that he was possibly a Philistine that had converted to, Israel, to, uh, to, to worship the God of Israel. However, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 lists Obed-Edom as a Levite, a descendant of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of the priests. It appears that Obed-Edom was probably born to the family of a Levitical priest who lived in the land or the region of Gath, the Philistine land of the giants. I can imagine, and I have spent some time lately wondering what it must have been like for this man, Obed-Edom, the Levite, Obed-Edom, the Gittite, how a worshiper of God would live in the land of the Philistines, surrounded by people who did not share his faith, surrounded by people who didn't understand his lifestyle. So many things about the lifestyle of an ancient Levitical family was different from the way that a pagan worshiping Philistine in Gath would live. The contrast was, must have been astounding. His Philistine neighbors didn't understand why Obed-Edom and his family worshiped God so passionately. They didn't understand the way that Obed-Edom served God. He worshiped. Why did he worship like he did? Why did he sacrifice to God like he did? Why did they live the lifestyle? Why did they dress like a Hebrew, sing like a Hebrew? 
Why is this man in Gath worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Almost everything about Obed-Edom's Levitical lifestyle was in stark contrast to the pagan ways of the Philistines all around him. Their songs were different. Everything was different. But Obed-Edom didn't change his lifestyle to fit the Philistines. He lived godly in the land of the Philistines. The Bible says that Obed-Edom was a Gittite from the land of Gath. One thing we do know for sure is that Obed-Edom's house was somewhere on the route from Gath to Jerusalem. Obed-Edom came into the scripture in 2 Samuel chapter number 6 and in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, which referred to him as a Gittite. The setting is the time when David went to get the Ark of the Covenant from the land of the Philistines. He retrieved the Ark because the Bible said they inquired not of it in the days of Saul. If you remember when Eli was the high priest and his sons were so wicked and there was a battle in Apex and the Philistines defeated the Israelites and the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were destroyed and not only that, but the Ark of the Covenant was taken by the enemy upon hearing the news of the Ark being taken. Eli falls off of his chair, breaks his neck and dies and at the same moment, his daughter-in-law gives birth to a son that they name, that they name him as if the glory of God had departed. They come to this moment, one of the most dreadful times in history, and the ark of God is taken into Philistine hands. And over the course of time, God raises up a king by the name of Saul who for 40 years reigns, but never one time does he ask about the Ark of the Covenant. Where is the Ark? Where is the presence of God? Where is the power of God? Saul, for some reason, felt like he could live without the power of God and the glory of God. But when David becomes the king, he asks the question, how shall I bring the Ark of God home unto me? For we, were, we inquired not of it in the days of Saul. David said, if I'm going to do this, I've got to have God with me. I can't live without him. Saul might have been able to live without him, but I can't live without God. Saul might have been satisfied without the presence of God, but I need his presence in my life. I've got to get the ark of God and bring it home. I can't live from day to day without God. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how people in the world live without the presence of God in their life. I don't know how they go from day to day without ever considering the God that breathed life into them. And so you have Obed-Edom, this man whose house is somewhere on the route from Gath to Jerusalem. The setting is this time now when David is gone to retrieve the ark. I've got to get the ark back in Jerusalem where it belongs. And so he goes to get the ark. And he places the ark on what the Bible called a new ox cart. They put the ark of the covenant on this cart drawn by oxen. And they're on their way back to Jerusalem to celebrate 
the presence of God coming back where it belongs. But on the route, something happens. David had disregarded a particular rule that said that the ark is not to be placed on a cart, but the ark is to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. This cart, as the ox is going over a piece of rough ground, the ox stumbles and the cart lurches to one side and rocks. Balance is lost and the ark begins to slide off of the cart. As it begins to slide, a man by the name of Uzzah reaches out his hand to stay the ark, to keep the ark from falling. But there's a law that says that unless you're a priest, you cannot touch the ark. And so when Uzzah reaches out his hand to touch the ark, immediately the judgment of God comes on him. And he is killed on the spot. And at that moment, the procession stops. Now David begins to think, what am I going to do? I can't bring the ark home. David is now afraid because of what happened to Uzzah. And in 1 Chronicles 13, 12, and 13, the Bible says, And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. David, now, he says, I'm not going to bring the ark to Jerusalem. I'm afraid of what just happened. I saw what happened to Uzzah, and I'm not going to bring the ark back home now. But I can't, I can't just leave it here in the road. I can't let the Philistines get the ark back. I can't trust that the enemy is going to take care of it. I've got to find somebody on the way that I can trust with the presence of God. I can't just leave it here, and I can't leave it with the Philistine. I've got to tr find somebody that I can trust with the Ark of the Covenant. I have to find something to put it, something to do with it, some place to put it, somewhere where the Ark will be valued and protected and respected. And so David hears of a Levite who is also a Gittite, a man who is numbered among the Levites, but lives with the Gittites, a man named Obed-Edom, a man who lives in Gath, but doesn't live like the Gittites do. He's in the land, but he's not like the people of the land. Oh, God. So David took the ark to the nearest place where he thought it might be safe, the house of Obed-Edom, the Levite, who is a Gittite. Here is what the Bible says about this time period when the ark was at Obed-Edom's house. 2 Samuel 6 and 12, it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. The Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. But it was more than just a general blessing. The Bible said that he, that he blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertained unto him because of the ark of God. Now, I looked up what that, that word pertain means. 
That word pertain, it means everything that affects, everything that involves, everything that touches, everything in regard to, and all that belongs to, oh God, everything related to, everything connected to, everything that has bearing upon, amen. The Bible says that everything that pertained to Obed-Edom was blessed because of the ark of God. Everything connected to him in any way, everything associated with him, everything he touched and everything that touched him, everything he had and everything that he was close to was blessed because of the ark of God. His fields were blessed. His cattle were blessed. His children were blessed. Everything that he had, all the way down to the most minute thing in his life, was blessed. Amen. I believe his shoes were blessed. His pets were blessed. Every, co- every stalk of corn in his field was blessed. When his neighbor's shoestring broke, Obed-Edom's shoestring didn't break because it's connected to him. Every single thing connected to Obed-Edom was blessed because of the ark of God. Everything he had. When everybody else's kids got sick, Obed-Edom's kids were well. When everybody else had problems, Obed-Edom didn't have problems. If his neighbor's fields were dry, his fields were rained on. Everything he had was blessed because the presence of God was in his house. Amen. I believe I serve a God that blesses his people. I believe I serve a God that will make a way where there seems to be no way. That there's a blessing that God wants to put on his people. That everything connected to them. Oh, I believe in the blessings of God. I believe in a God that's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. That'll put a door where there is no door. That'll open the windows of heaven over his people when the windows in the world are shut. I believe a God that when we call on his name, he'll put a blessing on his people. That's the God that I serve. Oh, Lord. You want to help me preach for a minute? But there was something. Why Obed-Edom? The reason that Obed-Edom got the ark in his house is because when David was looking, when the king was looking for a place to put the glory of God, he looked all around and all he saw were Philistines everywhere. People who didn't worship God. People who didn't work for God. People who didn't love God. People who weren't serving God. But then standing in stark contrast to all the Philistines in the land, there's this one man, this man named Obed-Edom. He's in Gath, but he doesn't live like he's from Gath. He's living among Philistines, but he doesn't worship like a Philistine. He's living with the Philistines, but he doesn't dress like the Philistines. He doesn't talk like the Philistines. He doesn't worship like the Philistines. He doesn't act like the Philistines. He doesn't tell the same jokes the Philistines listens to tell. He doesn't listen to the same music the Philistines listen to. He doesn't skip church like the Philistines do. 
Y'all want me to preach or you want a patty cake and go home? There was something about Obed-Edom that didn't fit in with the rest of the world. The difference in Obed-Edom is what drew the king's attention. Oh, God. When the king began to look for a place that he could trust with the ark of God and the glory of God, when he was looking for some place where he could put the glory of God, where he knew it would be respected and where he knew it would be kept, he found this man who didn't look like the rest of the world and act like the rest of the world. And he said, that's a place that I can trust with the glory of God. Let me tell you what I hope for Bethlehem Church. And let me tell you what I hope for the people of Bethlehem Church. That when the king begins to look at this generation full of Philistines everywhere, that he sees some people that are different. That he sees some people that we don't worship like they do at the rock and roll and country concerts. You want me to preach or not? Our minds not filled with the things of this world. Our minds not consumed with the things of this life. But there's something different about us that God says, I can trust that church with a revival. Let me tell you, I want to be the kind of church God can trust with an end time Holy Ghost revival where drug addicts are set free, where people are delivered, where gifts of the Spirit operate. I want to be the kind of people that God can bless with a Holy Ghost revival. Can you be trusted with His glory? I wish somebody would praise God right now. My God, I wish all those people that were at the lake fishing this morning were in church this morning. They need this message. I wish those that are watching at home that were too lazy to get up and come to church, I hope you're paying attention right now because you need what I'm preaching to you right now. There's a blessing. There's a revival. There's a breakthrough that God wants to send, but he's not going to just send it to anybody. you got to be trusted with the glory of God. Imagine what was going through David's mind. I got to find some place to put the glory. I got to find some place. But saying I got to find some place where I can put the ark, where it won't just be ignored, and it won't just be thrown to the side, and it won't just be left out somewhere where nobody. I got to find some place to put my glory, where it won't be just another piece of furniture. It won't just be clutter in their life. You know, there's some people, they'd put the ark in their house and it'd just been a nuisance to them. Something they had to work around. You know, God always walk around it, can't touch it. If I touch it, I'll die like Uzzah did. I always got to move around. It's just going to be a hassle. And there's some people that view living for God as just a hassle. Oh, it's Sunday. I got to go to church again. Oh, it's, it's time for, it. oh, they're playing that song again. I get so tired of that same old song all the time. I, it's just, he preaching about, he preaches, he preaches Acts all the time. He even accidentally called Psalms Acts. He preaches it so much. It's just a nuisance. You just got to work around. And, and some people, God is just a nuisance. It's just in their way. They know they need it. They have too much respect to say, no, nah, I don't want it here. But it's just, a, it's kind of in their way. It's in their way of the way they want to live. It's in the way of their habits. It's in the way of their hobbies. It's in the way of their sports. It's in the way of their pastime. It's just in the way. Can I take it a little bit further? There's some people that holiness is just in your way. 
I don't really want to live like this, but I, but I, don't, want to, I don't want them to know I don't want to live that way. I don't really want to dress like that because I don't really want people to know I'm, like, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. But, I, but it's just in your way. David said, if I'm going to pour my glory on somebody, i got to find somebody that's willing to live different. Even in the land of the Philistines. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to live like a Pentecostal, like an apostolic in a wicked generation? Are you willing to live holy in a world that doesn't want to? If you're willing to live like God, he can pour his glory on. There's some people that will never see the miraculous because you're not willing. You're not willing to be a Levite in a Gittite world. Sure got quiet quick. I'm just pausing for effect, let it sink in a little bit. To be honest with you, I kind of like that phrase. I wish I'd have made it my title. Living like a Levite in a Gittite world. Listen, my brothers and sisters, our most passionate pursuit in life should be for the ark of God in our home. I didn't say in our church. I said in our home. If our homes were like they ought to be, the church would have no problem. The church doesn't need revival. What we need is revival in our homes. We need to get into our, into our music collection. Can I take a step further? We need to let it get into what websites we visit, the stuff we talk about, the stuff we invest in. We, the most important pursuit in my whole life. I got to have the presence of God in my home. Obed-Edom lived the, lived the rest of his life saying, oh God, I remember the day when the, when the presence of God moved into my home. Everything changed. Uh, everything was in chaos. Everything was broken. Uh, everything. But then when God began to move, all of a sudden my life got put back together. Oh, God, you know what I'm talking about. There's some of you, you were strung out. You wouldn't sleep for days on end because the drugs in your system. But then you came and God began to turn your life around. And a life that had no meaning all of a sudden began to have meaning. And a life that had nothing, God began to build it. And you realize it all changed when the presence of God came in my life. Obed-Edom said, I know what happened the day the ark came in my house. You know, Obed-Edom, when they, when, 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 I mean, everything. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if there was one thing you could do that would make everything else in your life better? Man, if there was a pill like that, you'd all be at the pharmacy right now. If there was something you could do that would make everything, I mean everything, in your life better, you'd do it. These people get these miracle cures where they, they'd say, drink this or take that, and it makes, I mean, it cures everything. I'm like, if it was that good, everybody would be taking it. Well, they just don't know. Well, I kind of feel that way about people who don't know about the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the most passionate pursuit in your life ought to be the ark of God in your home. If you love your wife, if you love your husband, if you love your children, if you want to be blessed, 
It's seek the kingdom of God and seek the glory of God. Nothing else is more important than the presence of God in our home. Amen. We should worship in our home. We should pray in our home. We should read the Bible in our home. Amen. Let me just tell you, let me, for, for those that are wanting to schedule a marriage counseling session, let me just tell you what, let me tell you now what I'm going to tell you then. Amen. Take some time. And it's even if it's only two minutes at a time, you take your spouse's hand and pray in your house together. And if you can only read one Bible verse together, then read that one Bible verse and turn off that ungodly junk that you have blaring in your my God, no wonder it's so messed up. You got all that ungodly stuff, violence and drugs and sex, all through the music being played over and over in your home, over and over. Program. Oh. All right, you don't have to listen, but I'm still going to preach it. What goes in your mind and spirit is what you're going to do. You're programming your spirit to either be blessed or cursed. And so when you come and you say, man, we can't get along, we're fighting, we can't. I'm going to tell you, pray in your home, read the Bible in your home, and play some kind of Christian music in your home just to change the atmosphere. If you love your family, do whatever you got to do to get the presence of God in your house. If your young people are rebellious when they're not home, you go in their bedroom and you pray and call on heaven. And you say, God, move in this room. God, move in this room. God, move in my... you got to feel your... The most important pursuit is the presence of God. Obed-Edom could take it to the moment when it all changed. The moment when the ark came in. And all of a sudden, everything that pertained to him was blessed. Everything you bring into your home should be considered in light of the ark. Would the ark be willing to be beside this? Every item of clothing, every song, every show, every website, every conversation, every attitude, everything should be looked at with the question, can I be trusted with the ark? If I bring this into my home. Praise God. Every time it's worship time. And I'm tempted to take it easy and just kind of lay back and chill and let somebody else do it. I need to remember, no, no, no. I need that ark in my life. When you have the option of standing around outside in the lobby somewhere talking about God knows what or going to the prayer room. When you make that decision, think, which one's going to help me get the ark in my life? When it's time to invest and it's a new rifle or it's giving to missions. <laughs> Y'all don't want me to pastor you right now. You want me to patty cake and pat you on the head and say, it's all right, Johnny, go home, go, go and sin no more. It'll be all right. I'm telling you, the decisions we make, every decision we make ought to involve, will this help me get the ark of God in my life? When I'm deciding if I'm going to come to church or stay out and do something else. I realize y'all are here this morning, so you just, you just throw it over your shoulder to the cameras and let it be for the folks watching at home that didn't take the time to come, Okay. But, but nonetheless, I'm going to preach it. When you're making decisions about if I'm going to church or not, you need to understand that that decision determines if you can be trusted with the ark or not. 
Praise God. I'm going to amen myself right there because I'm doing some good preaching that I should have been doing a long time ago. Everything I do ought to be considered with the ark in mind. If I wear this, can I be trusted? If I say this, can I be trusted? If I go there, can I be trusted? Everything is about, I got to get the ark in my life because everything in my life is revolving around the presence of God. I need the ark. I need the ark. My kids need the ark. I need to be trusted with the glory of God. I want my children to see the hand of God on our lives and on our home. I'm pursuing the ark with my life. My career is not more important than the ark. My sports are not more important than the ark. Let me tell you, sports is the modern American religion. The arenas are the upper room of that religion. Y'all know I like sports. But I like it in its place. And its place is not Sunday and Wednesday night. Thank you for the two of you that believe the Bible. The rest of you, it's still true whether you believe it or not. That sport's not going to get you to heaven. Listen to me, young people. I know you love it, but it's not going to get you to heaven. You need to put it in perspective. If it interferes with coming to church, you need to throw it out of your life because it's trying to rob you of the blessing. If you love that more than you love the presence of God, you can't be trusted with the ark. If you love fishing more than you love worship, you can't be trusted with the ark. If you love hunting, if you love basketball, if you like golf, if you like volleyball, whatever it is, if you like it more than you love coming to the house of God and worshiping God, you can't be trusted with the ark. You talk like a Levite, but you act like a Philistine. And so the king can't put his glory there. Oh, Lord, there's not going to be anybody here tonight. I'm trying to make arc decisions. You understand what I'm preaching this morning? I'm trying to make arc decisions. Because when the king is looking for some place to deposit his glory, I want everything that pertains to me to be blessed. And so I have to have the kind of home in a Philistine land that God can say, you know what, I can bless that home. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven? You know what I'm really preaching right now? I'm really preaching a preparatory message for another great thrust of revival that we're getting ready to see over the next few months. Amen. There's a promise we're getting ready to step into. You hear what I'm talking about? There's another wave of revival. We baptized almost 60 people this year. Baptized, I think, over 100 last year. We've been seeing the glory of God, but that's just to whet our, our appetite for more. There's another level. I'm not satisfied. I'm thankful for what we've seen, but I want more. 
I'm thankful for what we've experienced, but I want another step of it. I want another level of it. And what I'm preaching right now is getting us, getting us ready so that God can look at us in the middle of a Philistine world and say, I'll put my glory on that house. I'll put my glory on those people and everything that pertains to them is going to be blessed. I'm going to bless their businesses. I'm going to bless their jobs. I'm going to bless their health. I'm going to bless their children. I'm going to bless them mentally. I'm going to bless them emotionally. I'm going to bless them spiritually. I'm going to bless them in body. I'm going to bless everything because I'm going to let the world know that my people are the head and not the tail. And I'm going to open heaven and pour a blessing on them. And they're going to see people delivered and set free and touched. And what I'm preaching right now is trying to get us ready for that next thrust of revival. Amen. It's like when Moses, can I preach to you? I, I, I see what time it is, but can I tell you when, when it was time, my God, I feel something here right now. When it was time for Israel to cross out of the wilderness into the promised land. And it was time for them to go and reach for their promise. The, the Lord sent the man of God to Israel. And he said, here's what you've got to do. He said, you wash yourself today. Get yourself ready today. Because tomorrow you will see great things. Amen. He said, you got to get yourself ready today for what you want to have tomorrow. Let me tell you what today is. Today is dress rehearsal for tomorrow. How we worship now determines our revival tomorrow. How we pray now determines our revival tomorrow. How we give now determines our revival tomorrow. What I'm saying is there's a great blessing. There's an Obed-Edom blessing for somebody. Oh, God, I wish somebody put their hand on their chest and raise their other hand to heaven and say, God, I want that Obed-Edom blessing on my house. God, I need that blessing. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom because of the ark of God. Let me tell you, God's not a respecter of persons. And if he'll bless one person, he'll bless somebody else. But if you want what they've got, you got to do what they do. You can't expect to be blessed and then be unfaithful and uninvolved. I'm preaching right now. I understand it's Sunday morning, but I got to preach what I feel in my heart right now. Don't complain that somebody else is being blessed, but you're not willing to take your next step in holiness living. You want to hold on to your junk from the world and be blessed at the same time. And God said, no, I can't trust you with my glory if you're going to live like that. God, I want your glory. God, I want the ark in my home. God, I want your presence to rest on my wife and my children. God, I want your glory to rest on my daughters, oh God. Lord, I want your blessing to overtake my family. God, I'm not just talking about natural blessings. I want that too. I want your natural blessings. But God, more than everything else, I want you to let the Holy Ghost be resident in my family, oh God. I want to be able to lay on my deathbed as an old man and look at my children, bring their families, and have them be raised in this apostolic message and know that this generation, God, help me, oh Lord, as a pastor that's getting older every day. God help me that as I get older I can watch these young people worship and grow up and have families and raise them to serve you. I want everything that pertains to my ministry to be blessed. I want these young parents whose little children are out there in Sunday school. I want your anointing on their families God so I can watch their babies grow up.
I want to be trusted with the glory. Amen, Brother Austin. I remember. Get, get up on that chair for a second. Hold that microphone. Lean back. <laughs> Hold that microphone. When, uh, my God. <laughs> he's, he's heavier than he looks, church. <laughs> Brother David, Sister Dana, you remember we used to go down to that trailer down there and play that old board game masterpiece? And Austin was a little baby. And after church on a Sunday night, you all right? Okay. I'm okay if you're okay. I, I, I would, we would go when, when, when Shoney's finally went out of business, praise God. Smile for Brother Ronnie. When Shoney's finally went out of business and they put a restaurant in that building. We, we, we stood in line at McAllister's ready to put, a, ready to put our order in. And I was holding Brother Austin while they were making their order. And I held him in my arms. And I, and I picked him up. Hold that microphone up here. You don't move it when you're preaching. <laughs> and I was holding him like, and, and, and I went like this. And as soon as I let him go, I saw that ceiling fan. And I, <laughs> he, he was maybe a year old or so. But right now, he's one of the best young apostolic preachers anywhere in the world. I'm talking about everything that, you know why? Because, you know why your boys are where they are? Because y'all put the ark of God in front of everything else. You didn't let any sport take them out of the house of God. I'm telling you, there's a blessing attached to putting God first. I'm trusting God to bless my back for having carried him just because I was anointed when I did it. I'm just preaching, God, I want to be trusted with your blessing. I want to be trusted, oh God, with your blessing. I'm, I'm just going to preach a minute or two more. Amen. When, when, when I'm older and I'm laying in a hospital bed, scoot over, fellas. And I'm laying in a hospital bed. Come here, Ellie. I don't care if you want to or not. Come on. I didn't ask you. I told you. And I'm laying there, and I'm struggling for my last few breaths. And she comes in, and she has a, she has a baby in her arms. Oh, no, I'm older than that. She has a baby standing beside her. And she brings that baby. I hope I can look at this girl. And she's still dressed holy and modest with long hair because it's her glory and when I look at those babies they're not raising those babies to be different than the way that we taught her to live I'm talking about the glory of God God I want to be trusted you say well you don't have to do all that well you go ahead and not do it but I'm not going to risk it because I need the glory more than everything else you say, well, I don't know if you need all that. Well, you just do what you want to do. But I know what I want in my spirit. And I'm going to live for it. Everything, everything that pertained to him. Stand with me. I'm closing now. So I don't know if it takes all that. Well, you better be right, honey. Because if it takes all that and you get to heaven and you're wrong, you've missed it all. If I get to heaven and I'm wrong, I still get to get in. But if you get there and you're wrong, you don't get to make it. 
and you're going to send your kids down a pathway to hell because you didn't think. God didn't pay me to think he pays me to obey. My opinion doesn't matter. If the Bible says it, do it. I'm living, I'm living, I'm living for the glory of God. God, I need your ark in my church. God, I want your ark in this church. Look, you may be able to go somewhere and live different than what we preach. That's your prerogative. But I'll tell you what I got to do. I got to do what I think will get the ark of God in this church. Send your glory. Send your glory. Send your glory. Send your glory, God. Send your glory. We want to move in your spirit more than everything else. We're hungry. We're hungry for you, God. You're everything. You're everything. You're all we want. You're the apple of our eye. You're everything to us, God. It's all about the ark. It's all about the ark. It's all about the glory. I need you, God. Send it, God. Send it, God. Come on, moms and dads. Come on, moms and dads. I need the ark. I need the ark. I need the ark. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom because of the ark of God. Craig, I think about King David that day in the middle of the road from Gath to Jerusalem when he has a decision to make. I got to put it somewhere. I got to put it somewhere. Brother Jamie, can you imagine what it must have been like for David to think, where am I going to put the ark? I can't let the Philistines have it. They won't value it. They won't treasure it. So what can I do with it? And he spots this man living in a Philistine world but not living like a Philistine and he says that's the king says that's where I can put the glory and so king of kings when you survey the landscape of 2021 and you're trying to decide where to send a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost I pray, God, that we're going to be able to live in a Philistine world but not live like Philistines. God, I want to be trusted with the next wave of revival. Why don't you reach over to somebody close to you and begin to pray. We've got a challenge on our hand in this generation. Brother John Allen, we're living in a hard day, aren't we? We're living in a difficult time, aren't we, Brother Weaver? This is a hard world to live in. It's a tough time. I got to live with the ark on my mind. Try to pray one for another. Rise to the challenge, young men and young ladies to be a Levi in a Philistine world. Moms and dads rise to the challenge to parent like a Levi in a Philistine world. 
Young men and young ladies, you got to rise to the occasion to live like a Levite. Even if you're surrounded by Philistines. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Come on, pray one for another. Some priorities are being shifted right now in Jesus' name. I'm reordering some things in my life because I got to save my family. I need the blessing that comes with the ark so I got to do whatever it takes to get the ark. Living like a Levite in a Philistine world. Come on, that's right. Let the Holy Ghost flow here. Amen. You can tell, you can tell what's happening by, by the altar, what happens in the altar. Oh, thank God, thank God, thank God. Oh God, I need you. Oh God, I need you, Jesus. I want to step up the level of my living. I got to step up the level of my living. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Come on, reach over. Pray with somebody close to you. This is, this is important. It's an important moment. It's decision moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I'm making arc decisions. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
say amen to this word this morning? Hallelujah. I'm glad I heard straight from the oracle of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to be faithful. I want to be trusted with the ark of God. I want to be trusted with the glory. If you look at your life and you, you know that God can't trust you because of things that you're harboring within your soul, do a soul search. Get it out. Check yourself. You want to be right with God. You want the glory to fall on your, your home, your family. It's not by accident that, that my children are serving God. And, and please believe me, I am not bragging whatsoever. But I've learned at a young age, if I put God first, all this other stuff will be added to me. If I'll trust God, if I'll show my children that this is the way to lead them, that, that if you'll do like I do, if you'll worship like I do, because I'm going to give God all the praise because he deserves it. If you'll do that like I do, God will bless you. And they've watched and they've obeyed it and it's come to pass. And I'm thankful for that. And it's nothing in that I've done per se, but it's because I put, I've learned to put what needs to be put first. Amen. Amen. What preaching this morning. Let's remember we have first steps immediately following over in the other building. And uh, I'm excited. I'm ready for tonight. I'm ready for revival. Revival at home. Revival in our prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We'll go before the Lord in prayer for dismissal. God, we thank you again for your many blessings. Lord, we thank you for this word, God, that reaches down and pricks our heart, God, and helps us to have a desire to change, Lord, to make things right within our soul. God, we pray, Lord, you'd help us to take this word and apply it to our life as we go our separate ways and we give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Bring your tithes unto the Lord.